you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. I consider myself privileged to be here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your pastor was speaking about worship. And that's what I just spoke of. Amen. I just preached on the passage of the wise men. You know when you take the New Testament, the first chapter is a series of Hebrew names. And you need courage to go through all those names. And God is testing your seriousness. By the end of the first chapter, you will learn about the birth of Jesus, right? Okay. Now, when you start the second chapter, the Bible will tell you about the story of wise men. You know the wise men? Do you know why they are wise? Because they came to worship Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. They came from the east, all the way from the east to Jerusalem. They came with gift of gold and frankincense and meal. And when they, the Bible says when they enter the house, they bow down and they worship the Lord. And they gave him gift. And one thing I repeated four times in my preaching this morning, I repeated four times that Jesus was still a baby. He has not yet preached any beautiful message. He has not yet healed anybody from sickness. He has not delivered anyone from demons. He has not raised anyone from the dead. But yet this wise man, hallelujah, they came into his presence to worship him and to give him gift. Before I share with you what I've prepared for you, I want to sing a song. I'm not a singer, but I'm a lover of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I believe all lovers in some capacity can be singers. Because singing is a language of love. Do you agree with me? And we are in the nation of love. That's why in all our movies, there are always people singing, isn't it? <laughs> in all our movies. Because there's, we are lovers. Now, I've been in India for 12 years. I have two beautiful Indian daughters. <laughs> so, Pastor Priji, it's about time that you forget me. You can stop considering me as an African. I am an Indian. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> um, I love music. Unfortunately, for many years, I was not able to sing. If I begin to sing, I will forget the lyrics. Oh, I will forget the, the tune. I will sing off. And I've been praying for it. I want you to know that you can pray for everything. And just about three weeks, or let's say one month, the Lord gave me a song. And I began to sing. And I want to sing it. First of all, to minister to you, and also to integrate myself in the atmosphere of your church. Amen? Amen. <laughs> The God of heaven, he is so good. He is my father who lives on high. The God of heaven, he is so good. He 
hears my prayers and answer them all. I will rejoice, I will rejoice. He is with me, he's always with me. I will rejoice, I will rejoice. He is with me, he's always with me. The God of heaven, he is so good. He is my father who lives on high. The God of heaven, he is so good. He hears my prayers and answers them all. I will not fear, I will not fear. He's gone ahead of me to fight for me. I will not fear, I will not fear. He's gone ahead of me to fight for me. The God of heaven, he is so good. He is my father who lives on high. The God of heaven, he is so good. He hears my prayers and answers them all. I will seek him. I will find him. I will know him and love him. I will find him. I will know him. I will love him and obey him. The God of heaven, he is so good. He is my father who lives on high. The God of heaven, he is so good. He hears my prayers and answers them all. Hallelujah, 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 praise the Lord, hallelujah. We must live our lives as if the Lord can call us back anytime. And that's true. The Lord can actually call us anytime. So when I'm given opportunity to minister in a church, I want to ensure that after my ministry, I will not be ashamed before the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll be able to say, Lord, I share with them my heart. I shared with them the truth I knew. So today I want to tell you about the spirit that must prevail in the church. The spirit that must prevail in the church is a spirit of a servant. It's not a spirit of a boss. Because we all come here to worship our master, our Lord Jesus. And we worship him as the Lord and we worship him 
as his servants. And a servant has some dispositions. Amen? So I want to beg your full attention. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you is that um, many people are not aware that there's a difference between being a believer and a disciple. I've been preaching all over the nation and I've met pastors, even pastors who were not aware of that difference. That there's a difference between being a believer, a mere believer, and a disciple of Jesus. When you read the Bible in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, from verse 18 to 20, you will notice that Jesus Christ told the disciples, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of nations. So if that command was ever fulfilled, the Lord expected that the whole world would be filled with disciples. Now, most of us assume that if we are believers, we are automatically disciples. Now, I'm here this morning to show you from the scripture that that's not true. Are you ready? When you read the scriptures, you will notice that Jesus treated believers, mere believers, differently from disciples. In the book of Mark chapter 4, uh, the Bible says that with many similar parables, Jesus spoke to the, the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything to them. So we see clearly that the Lord will give beautiful stories to the crowd of people who come to listen to him. But when he will remain with his disciples, he will bring them into the depth of what he said. He will explain things to them. So the disciple of Jesus Christ, according to this verse, spends extra time with God so that he can have many more explanations. Do you agree with that? No, the crowd, after Jesus has preached those beautiful parables, they went back home. They were satisfied with beautiful stories. But the disciples wanted more. They remained with Jesus. And Jesus was able to explain to them. Hallelujah. Amen. So you will see that a disciple will tend to want more. Those who are easily satisfied clearly define themselves. Sometimes at the end of the service, they are already gone. That's not a good sign. The disciple drag in the presence of the Lord. He drags. He's not in a hurry to leave. That's a characteristic. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us go to another passage. Let us go to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was speaking to the Jews who have believed in him. He said to them, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, verily I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, I want to draw your attention on this passage that Jesus was speaking to believers. There were Jews who have believed in him. 
and he gave them a condition. You have believed in me, but if you hold on to my teaching, if you obey my teaching, if you continue into my word, then only you shall be my disciple and you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. There's an interest to obey the word of God because obedient to the word of God will define you, qualify you as a disciple and as a disciple, you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Now, you may want to be a believer. It also means that there's a truth you will never know. It also means that there's a level of deliverance you will never experience. You may want to remain in your comfort zone of being a mere believer who just come to church on Sunday and sings and dances, who have no interest to know God more. But that means you will never be a disciple. It means you will never know the truth, and that truth will never set you free. Do we agree with that? So are we clear so far that there's a difference between being a believer and a disciple? Now let me tell you why you must upgrade yourself from being a believer to become a disciple. Because the Lord does not trust all these believers. Now it's a painful thing to say that there are believers that cannot be trusted. In fact, there are some believers, if they come close to your wife, <laughs> if you lend money to somebody, there are some believers, you're not sure you get it back. Am I right? So they cannot be trusted. Can we go to John chapter 2? Listen very carefully. Now, I'm a teacher, as a matter of fact, so I'm going to bring you very small. Please do not miss me, because everything matters. So the Bible says in John chapter 2 that now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many saw the sign he was performing and they believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. They were in Jerusalem. They have heard his beautiful, amazing, powerful messages. They saw his miracles. And they decided to take the wise decision to believe in him. So it means that they separated themselves from those who did not believe in him. So they believed in him. They began to come after him. But the Bible said Jesus could not entrust himself to them. Now I'm 28 years in the Lord. I knew this verse the first year I believed, and it caused fear in my heart. I was afraid that the Lord may not trust me. It is scary that you may call yourself a believer, and Jesus say, I don't trust you. I don't trust her. Whenever a boy will tell her that she's pretty, she will fall flat. I don't trust her. Whenever he will see a beautiful girl, he will lose his mind. I don't trust him. If you give him money, he will steal it. I don't trust him. If somebody abuses him, he will fight back. I don't trust him. He has no time for me. I don't see him reading my word. He's busy watching movies. He's busy in Facebook. I don't trust him. 
they have believed. But the Lord could not trust them. Are we together? So Jesus Christ, in the book of Matthew 28 that we have read, committed the expansion of his kingdom to disciples, not to believers. The Bible says he told the disciples to go and make disciples. Who are disciples? Disciples are people who are committed according to John chapter 8. If you can come back, sister. John chapter 8. They obey the Lord. Hallelujah. If you hold on to my teaching, if you hold on to my teaching, you don't live according to your emotions. You don't live according to your interest. You live according to the word of God. This morning, I was sharing that our emotion, that people can be sincerely wrong. Do you know people can be sincerely wrong? Do you agree with me? They are genuinely committed to something and they are wrong. That is a tragedy. We must be committed to the word of God because the word of God alone is true. I can be wrong in my mind. My emotion can be wrong. I can be sincerely wrong. And that's why we have a pastor. We have spiritual leaders. You consult them. You check you don't just go because you feel it. You know, you can strongly and sincerely love a guy who's going to kill you. Do you know that? <laughs> sincerely. And that's true for boys also. You, love a, you, know, you can love a girl with all your heart. You're ready to do all the right things. And all her dream is to, she's just dreaming about the day you will die. Therefore, we go according to the word of God. Hallelujah. This is the truth. And a disciple lives according to the truth. He does not even live according to how much hurt, he, how much pain he's feeling. No. He has hurt you. He has offended you. He was wrong. But that, that, you don't react according to that if you're a disciple. You hold on to the teaching of the Lord. The Lord says, I must forgive. My heart is in pain, but the Lord says, I must forgive. You hold on to the teaching of the Lord. And you forgive. Even if the heart is in pain. You are a disciple. Because disciple means you discipline yourself to follow the Lord. It's not always easy. Now, Pastor Bridget knows, they came to us. You know that we are never together. You know it. And I have to heal my heart for a number of things I went through. I remember, I remember there was a time in my life I would wake up every morning and I would bless some people because there was hatred in my heart. For them. And the Bible, no, no. And I was already a pastor. Yes, sister, you can be a pastor and your heart is in pain, no? So I realized I could not preach on forgiveness anymore. So I woke up every morning and I apply what the Bible says, bless your enemies. So I will bless them. And I will bless them with my mouth and my heart will be in pain. <laughs> yes, sister, that's true. That's reality. Now, I want you to know that if you ever want to grow spiritually, you must be honest. Honesty is key. You must be able to assess yourself clearly. 
You must be able to tell God, Lord, whenever I see a beautiful girl, my heart goes. <laughs> Lord, that's how I am, Lord. Whenever I see, you must be able to deal with God at that level. Otherwise, you'll never grow. Are we together? Yes. I blessed them until my heart was healed. And I met them and we could talk. And, it was, and my heart was at peace. Are we together? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I think you guys like stories, right? Yeah. Can I give you one more story about my wicked heart? Now, I want to say this because we are going to talk about, we are talking about discipleship, right? Now, I've been, a, I've been a Christian for 28 years. And I began to preach the day I gave my life to Christ. So I've been active for 28 years. As a, as a pastor, I was a bachelor at that time. Not in India, I was in Cameroon. And I cooked food. I cooked food, and the food was very tasty. And as soon as the food was ready, a friend of mine came inside. My heart began to pain. I said, brother, welcome, welcome. But my heart was in pain. <laughs> Please sit down. You came at the right time, but my heart was in pain. And I served this brother. Listen carefully. I served this brother. When he was eating, I said, do you want some more? He said, yes, I, I added. The brother finished eating and he left. As soon as the brother left my house and knelt down, I said, Father, I am stingy. My heart is ugly, Lord. How are you going to win a nation with such a person? Father, change my heart. I am stingy. I cried to the Lord. Beg God to forgive me. As I stand here, please come to my house and eat, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please come home and eat as much as you want. Deal with your heart. That's spirituality. It is not this outward appearance that we have. So the disciple of the Lord hold on to the teaching of the Lord in the secrecy of his heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So until now, now at what time do you finish your, your, your till what time pastor do you give me please? I like to respect because if you come to my church you respect time. <laughs> so I want to be clear with pastor. Uh, this was introduction. I just tell you, no, see, they said, they said if you, uh, the title was, the kingdom disposition is to be a sermon, right? Now I'm telling you about disciples. Do you see a good connection? I was just kind of preparing you for what is coming. So I'm going to start my message now. So I want to know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that your spirit will minister to your children. 
I pray that you give me the flow. I pray that you give me the words, the sentences. Father, I pray that you give revelations to your children. I pray that your word will be imposed, impressed into their spirit. I pray that they will be renewed and transformed, oh God. Produce servants for the king this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, we are all aware of the fact that we have the divine trinity, right? The fa- God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But most people are not aware that we have the satanic trinity. The satanic trinity is made of the world, the world, Satan, and the flesh. That is the satanic trinity. Amen? And in, in the satanic trinity, you have the kingdom. And the king there is Satan. Right? And in that kingdom, all, all the people there are dead in their sins. They are all sinners. In the kingdom of Satan, they are all sinners. Right? And then they all follow their master, Satan, consciously or unconsciously. And they all have a spirit of disobedience. The spirit of disobedience is characteristic to all, and it is common to all who are in the kingdom of Satan. Satan is their master. They are following him faithfully. We were all part of that kingdom. But God, out of his mighty grace, saved us. Hallelujah. The Bible says that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we were in the kingdom of Satan. We were bound there. When God saved us, he delivered us. And he brought us into another kingdom, which is the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So now we are free. We are free. When God saved us, when God delivered us, he, 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 he took each one of us and brought us to heaven. And the Bible said that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? At the right hand of God. So spiritually, we are heavenly citizens. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. We were from the kingdom of Satan. We have been set free from that kingdom. We have been delivered from that kingdom. We have been transported into another kingdom. We have another king who is Jesus. And that king, out of his love and mercy, has raised us up together with him and seated us in the heavenly places with him at the right hand of God the Father. So actually, we are seated on thrones. Hallelujah. That's why we are kings. Do you know that we are kings? We are kings. That's why Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Who are the kings? You and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So stop walking like this. You have to walk like this. Because you are a king. Hallelujah. We are seated on thrones. And we, we are in the kingdom of God. So I want you to know that in that kingdom, there's only one thing that matters. Jesus. All the children of God belong to the kingdom of the Son of God. They are all heavenly citizens. Hallelujah. Now listen carefully. Now in the beginning of our sharing, you know, actually I love to say that I am an Indian because Indians are very handsome. That's a fact, right? Why do you think I did not marry in Africa? I came and married here. 
That's true. For me, I believe that Indians are the most beautiful people. Look at their hair. I'm sincere. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> don't be upset with me. I'm saying that to say that it doesn't actually matter because we are heavenly citizens. Are we together, brethren? In heaven, the Bible says, there's no difference. There's no? Either you are Indian or African. It doesn't matter. So that conversation was in the natural point of view. Now I'm telling you spirit, from the spiritual point of So don't be upset with me. We are more spiritual than natural, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now this is very critical because a disciple of Jesus Christ is an heavenly citizen. He's not from Kerala. He's not a Tamilian. He's not a Telugu. No. He's a heavenly citizen. And Pastor Prishi, I want to say that I'm glad because the church is set to be able to receive everybody. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Each time you cling to your nationality, you kind of deny your spiritual position. Listen carefully. So it means that you are defining yourself more from this natural point of view than the spiritual point of view. And you are surprised that the demons of Kerala will come after you. You say that you belong to them. Listen carefully. This is true. When we were saved, we were taken out of the world and we were set in the heavenly places. We are no more part of the world. The Bible says we are in the world. We are not of the world. Yes, we are not of the world. So I don't, I don't claim a nationality as being part of mine. I claim the fact that I'm a heavenly citizen. So I don't fight. Are we together, brethren? Yes. You, know, you invited me, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I pray. I pray that you understand these things. I pray that we understand these things because, brethren, when you don't understand these preliminaries, this ABC of Christianity, you will not grow. You will not grow spiritually. We are heaven. That's why you are my sister. You are my brother, wherever you come from. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Christ becomes everything in each one of us. The Lord has selected each one of us and he has brought us into his family. In that family, we are all brothers and sisters. We have been handpicked. We have been chosen. We have been selected and gathered into this great universal family, the body of Christ. There, we have only one head, our master Jesus Christ. And all of us, we are brothers and sisters. I don't care where you come from. There was a time in our church we have 16 nationalities. 16. And let me tell you, I'm glad to tell you that I often confuse where people came from. Because it actually never mattered to me. So I never built a church based on my nationality. Every weekend my house is full of people. Sometimes I have five nationalities at home. People from Gambia, people from India, people from different countries. 
We are brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And that is sufficient. So the Bible says that the Lord has brought us into his family. We are all members of the body of Christ. We have all unpicked. And you cannot be part of that family by yourself. You can be part of the family of God only if the Holy Spirit has brought you there. Now, I told you to follow me very carefully because I'm bringing you slowly into something very important. No one can stand in the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God who has not been selected and chosen by God. The Bible says that no one can come to Christ except the Father draws him. So coming to Christ is a work of God. God will take you, select you, and pick you, choose you, and bring you there. You are the fruit, the product of the work of God. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ said, you have not chosen me. I am the one who chose you. So that you will bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that my father will receive glory. So we are the chosen. You know that song? We are, we are the chosen generation. Call for to show his excellence. Hallelujah. So we must all come to Christ as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, as a pastor who has been preaching in India for 12 years, I have learned that lesson painfully. It is good when the church is full. It is good for the pastor. It is good for the members. But the way we bring people to the church will be a problem in the future. If it is the Holy Spirit, there will be peace in the church. Hallelujah. If they have been handpicked, selected, chosen by God, you'll be a blessing to the pastor. If not, you go from pain to pain. Pain to pain. It'll be difficult. So there must be a desire in our heart that our church will grow with people that God has brought. Hallelujah. Are we together, brethren? Yes, yes because the Lord, because the church of God is made of people that God has selected. So when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit transforms us. We are new people. The Bible says we are born again. We are new. We are new in our way of seeing things. We are new in our perspective. We are new. We are, we are new. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, a new creature. Behold, everything, all things have passed away. Everything has become new. We are new. To be new means that we have lost our originality. That's why you were from Kerala before. Then when you came to Christ, you lost it. Now, brother, I'm very comfortable in India. Do you notice that? Because I'm not from Africa. I'm your brother. You lose your originality. And you're going to notice that many believers have not lost it. Because they are still believers. The moment they become disciples, hallelujah, they will lose it. Hallelujah. Amen. They will lose it. When they will come to marry your daughter, you not say, are you from Kerala also? <laughs> because my daughter, she will marry only from Kerala. No. You speak like that because you are a believer. The day you upgrade yourself to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, that will not matter to you. Hallelujah. That will not matter to you. Uh, now, my wife is a Cindy. Yes. Hallelujah. My wife, my wife will be married for nine years, nine beautiful years. Nine years of honeymoon. But I have to wait for two years. 
Do you know why? Of course. Look at the way, look at the way you are. If you know Sindhese, you know how they look. And I'm from Africa, and I had no money. But the mother, who knew her daughter, knew that her daughter was always serious until Burton came. So she said, my daughter is not a fool. She never mess around. And she's telling me that she loved this guy. So she just needed people who would tell her, the mother just needed people who would tell her, this guy is a decent guy. He can marry your daughter. She went to see other believers. The believer said he's an African. So the mother was so angry that she herself came and told me, see, I went to see your pe the people that you recommended me to go and meet, and they are the ones who told me that I should be careful. But they were believers. They were not disciples of Jesus. Are we together? Yes. They were still clinging to where they are from. They were still considering where people are from. They were still considering the color of people and the size of their pocket. A disciple of Jesus Christ, he sees Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's sufficient. That is sufficient. That is sufficient. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, we are new people. We have lost the originality of our identity. We are new in Christ. The Bible says that among us, there's no more Gentiles, there's no Jew, there's no circumcised, there's no uncircumcised, there's no barbarian, there's no Shechem, there's no slave, there's no free. Christ is all in all. Hallelujah. It is only Christ. It is only Christ. I don't care where you come from. You have Christ. You are my sister. I don't care where you come from. You have Christ. You are my brother. Christ is all in all. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the truth of the Bible. And we live according to the Bible. Yes. That's why we can adjust. Because my, my tradition will disappear. My custom will disappear. I will, adopt, I will adopt the custom of the Bible. You will adopt the custom of the Bible. And we'll meet. Hallelujah, we'll meet. The more we try to resemble Christ, we'll meet. So I don't care where you come from. If you are faithful with Christ, I am faithful with Christ, we are going to join, to come together. You're, going to you're not going to tell me that this is not how they do in Africa. You're not going to tell me that. You're going to tell me this is what the Bible says. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, brother. So now, before I continue in this, I just want you to picture when the Bible said that when a person repents, there's joy in heaven, right? There's party in heaven. The angel will celebrate the repentance of one single person. It is just like on earth. When you have a baby, there's joy in the whole family. We celebrate. Now, listen to me very carefully. If that baby does not grow after two years, that initial celebration will be transformed into mourning, into pain and frustration. Do, are you right? Yes. In, in the spiritual life, if a young believer does not grow, he still doesn't know what the Bible says. He's a believer, he's coming to church, but he's not a disciple. He has not grown. You want you to see a disciple as a believer who has matured. Hallelujah. What a joy when your child has grown up. Now you can say, go and bring me that glass. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a time you were doing everything. Now you can tell him, 
Go, go and bring something to, go to the kitchen and bring me water. Things have changed. There have been a progress. Hallelujah. In the church of disciples, people will not remain at the same position. You take care of them. After some time, they are taking care of others. Hallelujah. The pastor can rest. The pastor can rest. I am here right now. The church is going on. Thank God to disciples. They are going to do exactly what I do. They are not going to come and create their things. They are going to follow the model that I established. Hallelujah. Yeah. When Pastor Preach is not there, that's not an opportunity for you to create your things. You just do the way he does. You follow him. That's a disciple. They will do exactly what I do. They often even pray my prayers. No, that, that I didn't tell them. But I noticed that they pray my prayers. Hallelujah. So we have lost our identity. Christ is our everything. Because if when we come to Christ, he becomes everything for us. If Christ is not your everything, maybe God has not planted you. For us, Christ is everything. He's our life. He's our strength. He's our future. He's our, he's our, he's our motivation. We do everything according to Christ. We pray that we resemble him. We want to reflect him. We read the Bible too, that he may be imparted into us. He's our everything. Hallelujah. We dream of the day we'll meet him. We want him to trust us. We want him to trust us. We are concerned that he may trust us. Therefore, I run away from whatever will make him not trust me. And I want to do the things that will make him trust me. I do it consciously. Hallelujah. I do it consciously. So Christ is everything for us. Please, brethren, I pray that you follow me. So we love Jesus Christ and we obey him. That's what the Bible says, that the disciples of Jesus Christ are children of obedience. Now, you remember that in the kingdom of Satan, they are children of disobedience? You remember? In the kingdom of God, we are children of obedience. We obey God and we obey our leaders. Because obedience is what we know. Hallelujah. You are going to see that. Obedience is what we know. The Bible says that we, become, we walk in obedience. They come into the kingdom. So when the Holy Spirit has put us in the kingdom of God, when the Holy Spirit is the one who has brought us to God, we all come to God with one sentence. What shall I? Uh, who has noted this sentence in the Bible? What shall I do? Have you noticed this sentence in the Bible? What shall I do? Now follow me very clearly. I came here to tell you that. This is the critical. When the Holy Spirit is behind your conversion, you will find yourself asking, what shall I do? That question will come from the depth of your heart. You will inquire, what can I do? The church that is built by the Holy Spirit, is made of a group of people who are open to know what they must do and they are just going to do it. Joyfully and freely. Brothers and, brothers and sisters, please follow me into the scripture. You are going to realize that this sentence came so many times in the, the scriptures. 
So, let us move. In the book of Luke chapter 3, verse 8. Now, I want us to read that. I'm going to read that for you. Produce fruit, verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ask is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. What shall we do? The crowd asked. John the Baptist has already preached a powerful message. They were convicted in their heart. What was their response? What shall we do? He answered. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what shall we, what should we do? Then don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. This, then so, some soldiers asked him, what shall we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Hallelujah. They were touched by the spirit of God. They were not in for argument. Tell us what we shall do. We, we, we are okay with you. Just lead us. Tell us what we shall do. We'll do it. Uh, now I know. According to what you tell me, I know where you stand. When a somebody comes to Christ and you have to argue with him, just pray that you'll be saved, that the Holy Spirit will touch him. Because the day the Holy Spirit will touch him, he will ask you, what shall I do? Let us move. We don't establish a doctrine based on one passage, right? So let us continue to see that. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. This is the day of the Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come down upon the apostles, and Peter began to preach. The Bible said that the heart of the people, they were touched. They were striking in their spirit. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What shall we do? I want to ask you a question. Have you asked that question? Oh, you are in for debates, and you are in for endless questions. Is, are there been a point in your life where you ask, what shall I do? When you are brought to Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit, he will humble you. And you will be reduced to ask the question, what shall I do? When the church is made of people who just want to know what they shall do. Oh, brother, Pastor Bridget, what an easy church to lead. And that's how the church of God grew. That's how kings could be led to Christ. Because he'll be king. When he comes to church, the pastor will tell him what to do. Why? Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the key characteristic of those who are going to become disciples. The spirit of obedience is given to them. And they themselves ask, what do you want me to do? 
They will come to church and say, Pastor, what shall I? That's their disposition. And brother, that's with the people with whom you work. The other people, they come and they sit down quietly. You don't, you don't trouble them. You work with those people who have the disposition of a servant. And you keep praying for the others that the Spirit of God will touch him. Even if they are two years, three years, four years in the Lord. These are those who are going to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know that it's not easy. Have you noticed that after three and a half years of his ministry on earth, Jesus gave that mission only to 11 people? Hmm? Because people don't want to be disciples. Even when they feel in their heart, why should I ask him what to do? God will speak to me. <laughs> God has spoken to me. I have my ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Let us go to Acts chapter 22, brethren. Verse 6. Listen carefully. This is about Paul. This is about Paul. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. Now, this is Paul having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to, be, to Paul. So when Paul realized that it is Jesus, he said, what shall I do? Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you. If I tell you, you become too proud. He said, God told me, God told me. Go, somebody will tell you. You have to go and learn to learn from somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen carefully, brethren. We are going to go to heaven because we have believed the word of somebody. God is going to bless us through somebody. We have to be very careful with the word of people. God is going to change your life through somebody. Amen. Through somebody. Anybody who aspires to become a spiritual leader, you will have to learn to obey somebody. Otherwise, you go and create your own thing. And that's possible to make your own thing with your own principles. If you want your work to be from God, he will have to bring you to submit to somebody. Uh, some time ago, some of your people came to church. I saw some Africans. They came to our church. They were sent by you. And I was impressed by the way they praised you. And I think I remembered I told them that I'm glad that Pastor Prisha has people like you. There are a lot of Africans who come for three years in India, and they want to have a ministry for three years. Just go to a church and bend your head and follow. For three years. Learn obedience. When you go, God will bless you. You cannot come for three years and establish a ministry that will last only for three years. Learn to go and take instruction and obey them. Go and say to my pastor, Pastor, what shall I do? I'm here for my bachelor degree. I have three years. I want to leave an impact. Please, how can I serve you? And for three years, establish an history with God. After that, you go, and, you go to your country and say, when I was in India, I submitted to a pastor. Father, bless me. 
Now, have you noticed that we have, when John the Baptist was preaching, do you notice that people asked, what shall I do? The crowd came, right? The soldiers came, the tax collector came, they all asked the same question. Do you remember that at the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and Peter preached, the people asked, what shall we do? When Jesus appeared to Paul, what was the question Paul asked? What shall I do? Brethren, brethren, I said the same thing when I gave my life to Christ. The brother who came to preach to me, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to preach to me. My heart was touched. He told me that sinners will not go to heaven. I was a devout. Now, I don't like to call denominations, but I was a serious Catholic. But I was living in sin. <laughs> now, we are not serious like you guys in India. In India, you are very serious. We are from Africa. <laughs> but I was faithful to going to church. I was a member of the choir. I would sing like a, like a saint. So when this brother preached the gospel to me, I knew I was a sinner. He told me that the Bible says, I enter through the narrow gate because broad and spacious is the road that led to, that led to death. And many pass through there, but narrow is the road that leads to life. Very few go through that road. He told me that it is narrow because you don't go there through sin, with sin. As he was speaking to me, my heart was in pain. The movie of my life was going through my mind. I began to see all the sins that I've committed. They were passing through my mind. As I was looking at him, but there was a movie of my life passing through my eyes. And without realizing, I asked him, what shall I do? He told me, go and write down. No, let me tell you. He told me, go and write down all your sins. Ask God to forgive you and tell God that if you face the same situation, you will never commit those things again. If you are sincere in your heart, God will forgive you and you will know it. Hallelujah. Brother, I was standing at the gate of our house in Cameroon. As soon as he gave me those instructions, his father called him. I went from the gate, I went to the garage, and I entered my room. I met somebody in the garage. I cannot remember who I met. I know I met somebody. I went directly into my room. I took some A4 sheet. I began to write my sins, all that I could remember. When I finished, nothing could come again. I knelt down and confessed my sins. I said to God, Lord, if I ever face this situation again, I will never do the same thing. Please forgive me and come into my heart. Until then, I will go to church and make my confession. I'll make my confession at 4 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, I'll be repeating the same sin. <laughs> That day, for the first time, I was confessing my sins in my room, alone with God. My life was transformed. It's been 28 years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been 28 years. Brethren, less than four months later, as I was praying, I said, Lord, I know I cannot more be anything in your kingdom. What do you want me to be? I know I cannot more be anything in this world. What do you want me to do in your kingdom? The Lord put in my heart that I was going to teach his word. I was four months in the Lord. I took all my economy. I went to the bookshop and bought books and began to read. I began to eat my Bible. I wanted to serve the Lord. I knew Lord. Two years later, the Lord told me that I'd be a missionary. 
in India. That's why I'm here. A church of people who, has been, who have been converted by the Holy Spirit is such a beautiful church. It's a church where you hear people say, the pastor said, the pastor said, the pastor said, we are doing it. The pastor said, yes. After the service. Today the pastor said, that is the, that's what you hear everywhere. It's a unified church, a beautiful church. It's a pleasure to be a pastor of such a church. It is easy. You see people parking their beautiful cars and they enter into the church and they go to the pastor. Pastor, what shall I do? Arrange, arrange the chair, brother. And they have their beautiful suit and they're arranging the chairs in the church because they are disciples of Jesus Christ. It is a work of God in the heart. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why kings could be led to the Lord. Otherwise, how a fisherman will lead a king to God? Where will he stand to speak to him if the Holy Spirit has not produced such a heart? Where, the, where a Cornelius will fall at the feet of Peter and say, please tell me what I should do. Because the Holy Spirit has touched the heart. I have a question for you, brethren. Have you asked the question, what shall I do? Have you been a blessing? Have you come and say, brother, what can I do? How can I be a blessing here? Sometimes you say, this is what I can do. Can it be useful here? Uh, in our church? <laughs> no. Uh, Pastor Priji, I don't know if you have heard about it. People say that I'm very hard. Because in our church, you don't, do, you don't even arrange the chair if you don't read the New Testament. So when you come and say, what can I do? I say, go and read your Bible first. When you finish the New Testament, you come and see me. So you don't sing in the choir, you don't clean the toilet, you don't clean the toilet until you read the New Testament. Don't touch anything. Come and sit. So you finish reading the New Testament, you come and see me. There was a brother who came to church, and then after one or two Sundays, he said that he has a testimony. I said, oh, praise the Lord. He said, Pastor, my testimony is going to last 20 minutes. I said, you will not testify. No, so don't be deceived when I laugh so much. Because, brethren, you don't produce disciples through entertainment. You produce disciples through commands. It is not from me. The Bible says that Abraham, I have chosen Abraham, is going to become a big nation. I know he's going to command his children to live in righteousness. So when I tell you something nicely, it is an instruction that you have to obey. When I love you and I'm kind to you, I want to make your obedience easy. I'm not calling for familiarity. Are we together, brethren? A beautiful parent is not the one who's not going to correct his child. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that God chastises those that he loves. 
I have to speak like that because I realized that there was a person, if I want to give the person an instruction, I have to tell her 10 times, I love you. I love you, I love you. Then I went home, I said, but why should I tell her 10 times that I love her to tell her to do something? <laughs> so I tell her, I'm not going to tell you that I love you, I'm going to tell you what you have to do. No, I didn't speak like this. <laughs> but listen, brethren, there are people in the church who create an atmosphere. They are either so super sensitive that the pastor begins to be scared. If you have a spirit of a servant and you say, Pastor, what shall I do? You make things easy for your pastor to lead you. Hallelujah. And you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Are we together? I think it's enough for today, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite a lot, no? To handle. You see, brother, so next time you think before you call me again, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, brethren, I came to remind you that we must be disciples. The command of Jesus was that the world will be filled with disciples. And a disciple is somebody who has co who have come to Christ with the disposition of a sir, a servant. He had that question in his mouth. What shall I do? I want to encourage all of you, and I want you to stand up. I want all of us to stand up. If this word of God made sense to you, I want you to bow your head, and I want you to pray. Say, Father... I want your Holy Spirit to work in my heart. I want, to, I want to be a servant because you're my king. Yes, ask the Lord to touch you. Ask the Lord to produce the spirit of a servant. If the Lord is going to use you, he must make a servant of you first. Then he will send people to come and follow you in the future. Blessed Father, we pray that your spirit will come upon us. Visit your children. Visit your church. Oh God. May your spirit touch your children. May your spirit touch everyone here. Break the chains of unbelief. Break the chains of the love of the world. Break the chains of sin. Whatever sin it is. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Touch the heart of your children. Produce true conversion. Produce true conversion. Produce true conversion. Produce true conversion. Oh God. That your children will come into the kingdom with the right dispositions. The disposition of a servant. To serve the king. Oh God. That your child will be filled with people who say, what shall I do for my Lord? What shall I do for the glory of God? What shall I do as obedience to God? To God. Oh, Father, transform your church. May your believers be grown, be matured, oh, be upgraded into discipleship, oh God. For your glory. For your glory. For your glory. For your glory. For your glory, Lord. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that you are blessed by the word. We would love for you to be our guest on any of the weekends on a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. 
or a Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. For more information, please visit our website, dreamingrevival.com.